Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. National Signing Day in all its muted glory. It's a little bit different than it used to be. Sports Talk Mississippi, good to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. I hate to do this on the air, Borky, but you're feeding me back to me, so everything's an echo. Just letting you know. Hey, you want to be a part of the show this afternoon? You can do so on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. Again, 601 879 43 Nine five. You can tweet the show at Sports Talk M I S S. We've got a bunch coming up for you this afternoon. First, though, we'll tell you that Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. We are uh, glad to be along for the ride with you. At Mississippi Land Bank, they know a thing or two about land financing because they've been doing it for over 100 years. Over 100 years financing land in North Mississippi. They've got branch locations scattered across the northern part of the state. If you're a farmer in search of financing or you already know about Mississippi Land Bank, you just haven't done business with them in the past, then uh, now's the time to give them a call. You can find the phone number on the website. You can also find those branch locations online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Happy signing day, Borky. This was a day that I used to like skip class for. And now it's like having a hot, natty light. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming by describing it that way, you don't like the idea of a hot, natty light. No, I mean, that, that's just like drinking boiled water. But, yeah, I mean, things still happen today, especially you know, Ole Miss had a, a good day, all things considered. But signing day, February signing day, that dominated – all of the coverage on ESPN and whatnot really just doesn't move the needle anymore. Yeah, it certainly has changed. It's it's a lot different than it used to be, but it's still a day that was important for uh, for some schools. Uh, you mentioned for Ole Miss a good day. They needed to um, finish out the class on a strong note, and they needed to add a couple of pieces, and appears as if they were able to do that. For Mississippi State, kind of a quiet day. On, uh, on National Signing Day. Not a bunch of surprises, um, good, bad, or otherwise. And I guess depending on how you look at it, that's a good thing or maybe it's a bad thing. You know, if you were worried about losing a bunch of guys that were kind of on the fence, then it was pretty much a good day. If you were hoping for big surprises and some massive additions to the class, then maybe a bad day. Uh, as well. So we'll get into all of that coming up uh, this afternoon. Uh, we're also going to do something with you a little bit later on. We are going to uh, to visit with you 
on the Farm Bureau phone line in the 4 o'clock hour today. And here's what we're going to do. I want you to be thinking about this. We're not going to take phone calls yet, but I want you to be thinking about this a little bit and really interested in what you've got to say. So when we look at National Signing Day, we are looking at high school football players who are really, really good on the high school level making the transition to college football players. So, and I I don't mind telling you that I am completely and blatantly ripping this off from another radio show that I heard earlier today. Who is the best high school football player that you've ever seen in person? Think about that a little bit, because sometimes it's not an easy answer. There are easy answers, like for people who saw Marcus Dupree play their go-to answer is Marcus Dupree is the best high school football player I've ever seen. But let's take it a little bit deeper than that. Maybe you grew up in Mississippi. Maybe you grew up outside Mississippi. I'm especially interested, though, in Mississippi high school football players, best high school football player you've ever seen in person. And we don't take a lot of phone calls anymore, but I thought on National Signing Day this would be something that would be uh, fun to do. We'll do that coming up a little bit later uh, this afternoon. Mississippi State, big basketball game coming up tonight against LSU. That is in Starkville. Ole Miss is hosting Texas A&M tonight at the Pavilion in Oxford. For Mississippi State, I would call it uh, a big opportunity to kind of make a statement with a win against a really good LSU team. For Ole Miss, this one falls into the category of you got to have it. This is a week where Ole Miss needs to go 2-0 and in basketball. They need to win against Texas A&M. They also need to win on Saturday on the road against Georgia. We'll get into that this afternoon. And more news out of Hattiesburg. I'll kind of leave you with this idea as we kind of start the conversation with regard to Southern Miss. I I was texting um, with a friend earlier today who said, you know, did you you see the news that Southern Miss is not hiring Art Bryles? And I saw the release that was um, a quote from the university, uh, from the, the school president. And it was very concise and it was very to the point. We're not hiring him. We're not going to have any further comment on it. But it didn't stop there because Jay Hobson wanted to hire Art Bryles. And he put out a pretty passionate statement that we will take a look at coming up a little later this afternoon. But what I said in this text message was this was always going to be a wreck. It's like you're going down the highway and you see a car crash coming. You know it's there. You know it's going to happen one way or another. And in this case, if Southern Miss had hired Art Bryles, the backlash that would have come along with making that hire would have been the wreck. So what's the wreck now that Southern Miss has not hired him? Well, you had a split fan base, evidently, with regard to this hire. And you also had a split um University community, football coach versus president, who wanted two very different outcomes. And so now you're going to have people picking sides. And you're still going to have a little bit of carnage on the back end of the wreck, even though it's a different wreck than it might would have been earlier on. We'll give you uh, what Dr. Bennett had to say and also what Jay Hobson had to say coming up a little bit later. All right, are we all squared away? Can everybody, are we good? think so. 
Rippy, what's up? How's your Wednesday? Pretty good. Fairly uneventful on the recruiting front for Ole Miss? Um, yeah. I did skip class today, Borky, and I'll take a beer at any temperature right now, but I guess Red Bull will do. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> hey, Dad, happy Wednesday. Yes, sir. All right. No we got a couple of, uh, a couple of quiet guys here. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, it's, fair it's, enough. It's this, gonna be a long day, uh, this man. Afternoon. I still got uh, Rippy. I said uneventful week. day on the uh, on the Ole Miss front. I'm not sure that that's the right way to describe it. This was a day where Ole Miss, you, you thought going in, had a chance to add some pieces to this class. But folks that have followed Ole Miss football have had high hopes on signing day before, only to feel like, well, that didn't really work out. We were close, but it didn't end the way we had hoped. A little bit different story today for the Rebels, though, right? Yeah, honestly, and almost a complete 180 in terms of, I guess, perception and feeling from the early signing period. I thought this day went about as well as it possibly could for Ole Miss. I'm not sure how wide the range was in terms of how it could have gone in either direction, but they kept Mingo, they reeled Ely back in, they flipped Ladarius Cox, and then they got a really nice piece and a guy that can contribute immediately in Henry at linebacker, the number one inside linebacker, or Juco inside linebacker in the country. Um, you know, you add a third quarterback, and you add a couple defensive linemen, which is something they really needed because it was a light class in terms of defensive linemen. So, you know, there wasn't a ton they could have done today in terms of adding, but, you know, there were some things that could have happened that would have made Ole Miss fans feel a lot worse. And so I thought it went pretty well for them overall. So Lakia Henry, I, I think I'm saying his first name correct, uh, correctly, a linebacker. Uh, Dodge City, Kansas, 5'11", 230 pounds. He's rated as a four-star linebacker. You always have some questions with regard to junior college players coming in. How quickly, uh, how quickly can they pick up? How effective can they be? You know, an interesting example, and this isn't – I guess he wasn't a junior college player, but Mohamed Sonogo, in his first year at Ole Miss, am I thinking about this correctly, was – seemed a little lost and maybe even early in the season not that productive but at some point this past season it was like the light came on for him and he turned into a tackling machine and really uh, without question the best linebacker on that team yeah sure and it's kind of it what's interesting about henry is they have a couple they haven't been good at linebacker in the last couple years at all but they had they played a lot of young guys in sonogo and the two freshmen in rugs and jones with some upside, so having a guy that you would think is going to plug and play immediately, it'll be interesting to see how it changes the dynamic of that room and what that looks like next year. John Rice Plumley, the new quarterback in the class. Brandon Mack, a defensive end out of Montgomery, uh, with a commitment today, or I guess a, a signing today. And then it was Jerry and Ely, the running back out of Jackson Prep. Ladarius Cox, a defensive tackle uh, from McGill Tublin in Mobile. And... Um, I guess all in all, a pretty good day. We'll jump in and we'll talk a little bit about what Mississippi State did today when we come back. A couple of things for you to know about. Tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock on the Gallo Radio Show, Uncle Paul, Grandpa, Paul Gallo. He's got a fun guest coming up. 
He is going to be joined by Sarah Thomas, who is from Mississippi and who is an NFL official. So she has worked in the NFL for the last couple of years and is the first female official in the history of the NFL. And if I'm not mistaken, worked a playoff game this year. So she was the first female to work a playoff game as a uh, an official in the NFL. She's going to be on with Paul in studio tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Should be an interesting conversation. You don't want to miss that. Also, on Thursday, you can catch the JT Show as he teams up with Mississippi Ag and Mississippi Farm Bureau for the 54th Annual Dixie National Rodeo and Sale of Champions. Join them and learn how Mississippi Ag and Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation are teaming up to help you buy green and save green. So that's tomorrow on the JT Show. So a little bit of a change of plans. We will uh, we'll be joined by Brian Haydad coming up in uh, in just a few minutes. But, Rippy, let's kind of dive in and take a, a little bit closer look at Ole Miss's class today and kind of the overall um, class. For, first of all, kind of big picture. I uh, know you've you had the opportunity to hear the press conference earlier today. What do you think the Ole Miss coaching staff, in particular Matt Luke, what, what are their overall feelings after two years now of going through this early signing period and then kind of signing day 2.0? Restraint-free. He talked. Matt Luke talked a couple of times, really unprompted, about just being able to go into living rooms and being able to sell kids on the program without any hang-ups, without bull band scholarship reductions. I mean, they had a big class. There's 31 players in this class as they're trying to get back to 85 scholarships. So... I think it's probably relief more than anything, and I think with the way they closed, I think they felt good enough about this class kind of serving as the foundation to build the thing back up. Whether that happens or not obviously remains to be seen. It's going to take a lot more than this one class. But I think that's the overall feeling is they kind of feel like their hands aren't tied behind their back anymore. So out of this class, the combination of the two signing periods, you've got 11 early enrollees. Sam Williams, um, a weak side defensive end that was a transfer from uh, Northeast Community College. Grant Tisdale, the quarterback from Allen, Texas. Uh, Jaden Jackson, a wide receiver. Jonathan Haynes out of Jones County Junior College. He's a safety. Ashanti Sistrunk out of Louisville, an outside linebacker. Dontario Drummond, a wide receiver from East Mississippi. Jamar Richardson, cornerback from Jones County uh, Junior College. Jalen Jordan from Lake, Cor- uh, Lake Cormorant, which is DeSoto County. He's a cornerback. Jared Connor, a running back out of Hattiesburg. Kincaid Dent, the uh, pro-style quarterback out of Jackson Academy. And then Eric Jeffries from Lafayette High School in Oxford. He's an outside linebacker. So those 11 guys are early enrollees that will go through spring practice as far as the new names today, uh, the guys that actually signed today, Jerry and Ely, uh, the running back out of Jackson Prep. So let's step stop there for a second. So much conversation back and forth. We've had it here. Other places certainly are having the conversation as well. He is expected to be a first-round Major League Baseball draft pick. When we talked about him reopening his commitment or decommitting from Ole Miss to be able to visit Clemson and take a look at other schools, our general thought was not likely that he ever sees a college football field. Is there any reason to think that that has changed? Is there a likelihood, is there a percentage chance that you might put on this that he ever actually plays football for Ole Miss? 
I don't think it's likely. I don't, as far as a percentage, I think that would be tough to do so accurately. But, I mean, I, I mean, he said as much today that his, his heart is still kind of with baseball and that's where his mind is right now. But, you know, if, if nothing else to him signing changes the perception of the class and kind of particularly where it stands with numbers, obviously, because he's such a highly rated recruit. So I don't know. I mean, to me, you look at it as he signs with Ole Miss. They at least have a hope of him getting to campus, which is more than they would have had if he signed elsewhere. And so while it's still probably not very likely that he shows up on campus, at least you kind of have a puncher's chance at it because stuff can change in four months, right? I mean, you hope he stays healthy, but that could change, you know, or you could ha- he could have a change of heart and want to play both sports and kind of, uh, it's interesting to me. I wasn't, obviously wasn't down there for the signing and haven't really talked to Ely about it, but it's interesting to me. I always wonder what the Kyler Murray situation would kind of do to guys making this decision now to where the thought originally was he's going to play pro baseball but then sees what kind of happened with him in football. So I don't know. I don't think it's very likely that he comes to campus. I think he'll be a professional baseball player. But, again, they have a chance, which is more than they would have had if he had signed somewhere else. Would it be more likely, let's say a scenario where he actually decides to play college football, would it be more likely where he signs a pro baseball contract that allows him to play college football, Um, maybe the way A.J. Brown did, uh, if you want to rewind a a couple of years, uh, what Anthony Offord did, or would it be a scenario where he says, I'm going to college and I'm going to play two sports in college and would be part of the football team but then also part of the Ole Miss baseball team? Hmm. I'm not sure. That's a good question. I mean, I would think, I, I just don't, particularly after the Kyler Murray thing, I don't see how a team would spend a high draft pick and allow that to yeah, happen. Yeah, that, that's true. Like, I mean, they're not going to commit seven figures, particularly because you draft him in the first round, you don't get the slot value back, whether he signs or not. So I don't see a team making a gigantic commitment and then allowing that. I mean, if they get the inkling and he has the change of heart that he wants to come to school and try to play both sports, then you might or play football, I guess, at the very least. You might have a scenario where he gets drafted in the later rounds. You make a much smaller financial commitment, kind of a Anthony Offer type thing, as you alluded to. So if that does happen, it won't be with a first-round draft pick. I would, I would be stunned that an organization would allow that to happen. Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver out of Brandon High School, uh, 6'2", 200. He's a four-star wide receiver. What does he bring to the table? Well, he's one of five receivers in this class, and in a year where you lose the likes of Metcalf, Brown, and Lodge, you're certainly replenishing, you know, a cupboard that that could be seen as pretty bare. But I mean, tall kid, rangy. Um, I think he and Drummond maybe have the best chance of kind of making an immediate impact, is what from the early sounds of it. But you know, a playmaking kid that they can stick on the outside and and kind of because they have some options at the slot with Elijah Moore. And so they were looking to kind of replace a bigger outside receiver, and I think he provides them that. Uh, Lakia Henry, linebacker, inside linebacker, who was heavily recruited. He um, had offers, uh, if you know, all of these things are um, to be believed, from Arkansas, Tennessee, Texas, and Alabama. And is he the one that Arkansas really felt good about and Ole Miss was kind of able to pull him away, or was it a different spot? No, I think I think the general understanding was that he would end up at Arkansas. So I think this one was a bit of a surprise. But 
to me, as far as the day, I mean, obviously Ely is huge, but in terms of the likelihood of somebody making an impact on your football team next year, I would think this guy's one of the more, if not the most significant that they got because it's a junior college kid that you think is going to probably make an impact immediately at a position where Ole Miss desperately needs it. So he was at one point committed to Tennessee on January 5th, decommitted from Tennessee. He took an official visit to Ole Miss on January 26th, took an official visit to Texas last weekend, and then an unofficial visit on February 3rd, so just three days ago, took an unofficial visit to uh, to Arkansas. But Ole Miss ends up with the, uh, the linebacker, and certainly uh, that is a position of need for Ole Miss. John Rice Plum. Another two-sport guy, dual-threat quarterback, good baseball player, and there's been some conversation that, you know, whereas Ely is expected to be a high draft pick, that John Rice Plumley could be one that falls into the category of, okay, maybe a team drafts him after the 10th round, so they're not losing slot money, but they could throw some money at him, and you could potentially see him playing uh, college football and pro baseball at the same time. Or, or be under a baseball contract at the same time. Sure, similar to an A.J. Brown situation. Right, right. So we'll see where that uh, where that goes. He was uh, originally committed to Georgia, backed away from that after Georgia signed a couple of other uh, uh, quarterbacks. Um, Brandon Mack out of uh, Montgomery. Uh, you know, I guess it's not easy to go into the state of Alabama uh, and get guys that are good players uh, out of the state of Alabama, but uh, that's what Ole Miss did. He, as best I can tell, did not have an offer uh, from the uh, from the in-state schools, though, in Alabama. Yeah, he and Cox, I think, are two guys they're excited about because Cox kind of gives them some size in the middle, particularly in that 3-4 that they believe they can use in all three spots, whether it's a straight-up nose tackle or one of the two four techniques. And like we mentioned earlier, they didn't have many defensive linemen in this class, so you get an outside guy and and an inside guy in here and kind of pad the depth a little bit. And you really need them to be good. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> like like good enough to play tomorrow. Sometimes yeah, that is a, a has big ask at the linebacker there. position. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, more coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad will join us in just a little while. We'll save the majority of the discussion about Mississippi State and its uh, the additions to its signing class um, until Haydad joins us coming up uh, in just a little while. We'll kind of give you a, a quick overview of what today was like for the Bulldogs. Nathan Pickering who is a name you've heard for a while. He's been committed to Mississippi State for a while, makes it official, uh, signed his national letter of intent, a four-star defensive end, 6'3 286 pounds, uh, ranked in the top 100 nationally and the fifth-ranked player in the state of Mississippi. He was kind of the, uh, the first up today. That was the first name that was released by Mississippi State. Um, probably the top-rated, well, I guess the top-rated commit on, the, uh, on Mississippi State's list um, right up until the point when Charles Cross uh, came in and uh, committed and signed with uh, with Mississippi State. Javante Payton is a wide receiver out of Hillsborough in Nashville, a three-star wide receiver, uh, third-ranked wide receiver in the state of Tennessee, the number four overall player in the state of Tennessee. So Payton 
gives another target for the passing game at Mississippi State. Brandon Cunningham, three-star offensive lineman from Ocean Springs, St. Martin High School, uh, good size, 6'5", 300 pounds, 17th-ranked player in the uh, in the state of Mississippi. Colin Duncan is a cornerback out of Montgomery, St. James School in Montgomery. He was the 18th-ranked player in the uh, the state of Alabama. 24-7 com- uh, composite rankings have him as a three-star uh, secondary player. Martin Emerson, another cornerback, also a three-star from Florida. Uh, he was ranked 112th in uh, in the state of Florida. Uh, so that's another piece in the secondary for Mississippi State. Kareem Walker, a uh, a running back from New Jersey, Wayne, New Jersey, number three running back in the Garden State, tenth overall in the state of New Jersey. Uh, big kid, six one two twenty. That's Kareem Walker. He also was a three star uh, commitment. And then Dylan Lawrence, who is uh, kind of an interesting story. He is from uh, from Loosedale, uh, George County High School, three star player and a guy that. Honestly, was kind of on the outside looking in until things kind of fell the way they did. He had to kind of wait and see if there was going to be a spot. Wanted an offer from Mississippi State, and he got one. Um, some of the other schools, uh, Alcorn State, uh, thought they had a chance there. Ended up losing out. South Alabama was in in the mix as well. So that's a uh, an interesting pickup for Mississippi State. The size is there. Uh, he is six four, six four and a half, and just shy of two hundred pounds. So, y- you always hate uh, Borky have players that are under recruited or off the radar that turn into really good players at the college level. And sometimes those guys turn into more than just good players at the college level. Sometimes they turn into NFL players one day down the road. But. This is one of those names where your hope is that the development process and getting into a college weight program uh, turns out to be a really good thing in Dylan Lawrence. Yeah, for sure. And everybody points to success stories, especially like when the Super Bowl came around. You had, well, this many unranked prospects are playing in the Super Bowl. So the the stories are definitely there. Uh, The hope for Mississippi State fans is that Joe Moorhead and staff are as good at developing and finding those guys uh, that his predecessor, Dan Mullen, were, because that was something that he did very well. Yes, Jeffrey Simmons was a five-star kid who is going to be a first-round pick, but generally speaking, under Dan Mullen, Mississippi State was able to find those guys that were not heavily recruited and turn them into quality SEC players, and uh, the hope is that Joe Moorhead can continue on that little tradition that they built there. So where do Ole Miss and Mississippi State rank in the SEC? This is uh, this is like ranking time of the year. You're looking at player rankings. You're looking at team rankings. You're looking at national rankings. So what about just SEC only? Alabama has a bit of a bounce back year after being outside the top five nationally a year ago, all the way down to number six. They've got the number one class in the SEC and the number one class overall in the country. Just a little bit ahead from a points standpoint than Georgia. Alabama had 27 commitments this year. Three of them were five stars. 23 of them were four-star players, and they had one three-star in the mix. Um, Georgia at number two in the country and number two in the SEC, clearly. 24 commitments, five five-stars, 15 four stars, and four three-star players for Kirby Smart. There's some interesting chatter 
going on with regard to Georgia and Georgia being able to flip players, steal players, however you want to describe it, at the last minute from neighboring states. Uh, I'm not trying to talk in code. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Alabama expects, or Auburn expects, to get the top-rated players in the state of Alabama. Not exclusively, but overwhelmingly. Um, Georgia's kind of upsetting the apple cart a little bit. And, Rippy, I think this is going to be an interesting story to kind of keep an eye on over the coming months and maybe even years if uh, if you end up having any scrutiny on the Georgia program. I mean, yeah, they're recruiting at a high level and taking the top talent in pretty much any state they want to. Um, I'm not necessarily sure as far as scrutiny, because as Borky has mentioned a number of times, there are programs that are perceived differently than others. So I'm not sure if it'll ever get to the point of them getting scrutiny, but they are certainly recruiting like a machine. They're protected. They are protected, and and Auburn's protected, too, because here's what happened today. And some of these guys did the early signing period, but just a scenario for you. So Auburn, who has a coach that has a $40 million buyout that boosters really wanted to pay to fire him. The guy is on the hottest of hot seats because the boosters wanted to fire him this offseason. If he doesn't beat Alabama this year and win double-digit games, he's going to get fired. Even with that being true... Auburn came to Mississippi and signed three elite prospects from the state of Mississippi. Now, nobody at all is batting an eye. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to talk about it. Nobody's going to write about it. Nobody's going to have a snarky tweet. Oh, man, look at Auburn. What are they doing in Mississippi? But if Ole Miss or Mississippi State went to Alabama and signed three elite prospects from the state of Alabama, everybody would be in uproar. Same thing happening with Georgia in the state of Alabama. Georgia signs the number one and number two player from the state of Alabama. Outside of the Feinbaum show and message boards, nobody is going to pay attention to that or care. Well, I agree in principle. Yes, I would agree with you that Georgia falls into the protected class. The reason I mentioned the idea of scrutiny, and I'm not trying to like create a black helicopter scenario. I'm just saying this. It's not going to sit well with Nick Saban, or Gus Malzahn for that matter, to see a five-star wide receiver who is the 24th ranked player in the country, the fourth highest ranked wide receiver, and the number one player in the state of Alabama from Hoover. Not like way down in South Alabama in, in Dothan or in Mobile. Not up in the Not up in Huntsville, where Tennessee's really not that far away. From Hoover going to Georgia. After being committed to Auburn and quoting that, well, Georgia was really my number two school all along, and then it just felt at the end like the right thing to do was to go to Georgia. I really just like it there. I'm just saying I I completely agree with you that Georgia is in a different class and that Georgia can pretty much operate with impunity. 
But if you start, I mean, e- even if you're Georgia, can you really mess with Alabama and Auburn that much? And, I think so. And completely get away with it? Well, sure. Why is it you necessarily think yes. messing with them? Like, it, it, the, the idea that they're in, like, if a kid is in a certain geographical region that like one school is entitled to him is a little out there. It's how it's always been, though. Elite players I mean, it's don't like leave Kirby Alabama. Strutting around, going, do what? Elite players generally don't leave Alabama for college. Uh, that's kind of the point that I'm making. Uh, and and it's like Kirby Smart's strutting around, saying, "Boys, there's a new sheriff in town." Well. I don't know if the old sheriffs are going to just completely give up on that. Anyway, just something to think about. Texas A&M, number three in the SEC, fourth nationally. LSU, number four in the SEC. Florida, five. Auburn, six. Tennessee, seven. Uh, South Carolina, eight. Ole Miss at number nine after what they did today. They do have 31 commitments, and that is the most of any school uh, in the SEC, Arkansas is at number 10 with 25 commitments. Mississippi State fell today to number 11. It's a smaller class, only 21 commitments. And then Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt round out the 14 teams in the SEC. So um, today where the rich get richer, and if you're fighting against the rich, you just do the best that you can and try and win some games on the field with good players. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. You ever have one of those days where you set your alarm clock and it just mysteriously doesn't go off and you oversleep? I seem to be having more of those when I have to go to the airport, but that's a bit of an aside. Normally, that is the case. That's what happens early in the morning, like when you got to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and you got to be somewhere at 5.30 or maybe you got to be somewhere at 6 until you have to get up at 4.15. It's just insanely early. There's nothing like the guy that sets his alarm clock for 2.30 in the afternoon because he's going to be somewhere at 3.06, and at 4 o'clock he rolls right in the door. Hey, boys, I'm here. What's up, hey, Dad? It's all right, guys. I'm here. We can do the show now. I'm here. Let's start the did, show. Did, did you, it's going to be okay. Did, did you immediately know that's where I was going with that? <laughs> I, I caught on pretty quick. It wasn't I, uh, my I fault. You might. I know. I know. Technical there was an earthquake, a terrible handle. flood, locusts. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday. Today is technically National Signing Day, even if it doesn't really feel like it. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you're a farmer in North Mississippi and you have equipment needs, got to buy some new equipment, or maybe it's not equipment needs. Maybe you're going to buy a piece of property. Maybe you are going to uh, refinance an existing loan, or maybe it's crop loans for the new year. Mississippi Land Bank can help with all of those things. They understand farming. Many of them have been in the farming business or are in the farming business, and they understand you, and they got a long track record, like a century-long track record. At Mississippi Land Bank, they know the lay of the land. So, hey, Dad, what's up, my man? Not much, man. Busy day here in Starkville with all the uh, the the recruiting, and then we have basketball tonight, and all the uh, you know trying to get to on the on this show. That was a lot of fun, and made that happen. 
made it happen, and that's all that uh, that really matters. My youngest, we as we were driving to pick up my oldest, uh, heard you say, "Hey, Dad, I'll be with us soon," and she was like, "Is that you?" I was like, "Yes, they're they're waiting on me," and I was like, and she says. So what are you doing? I was like, oh, we have to get your sister. Just, just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you took your frustration out on your daughter, didn't you? <laughs> I, wasn't, I didn't take it out on her. I was just like, just be quiet. Stop talking. Uh, yeah, something like that. Well, we, uh, we, we've we all made it. We're going to get to basketball with Richard Williams coming up in uh, just a few minutes on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com. And go with the home team. We spent some time talking about Ole Miss in the first hour. Hey, Dad, let's take a look at uh, at what happened in Starkville today. There are names that were added to the uh, to the signing day list. Uh, additional names from the early signing period back in December. Is it fair to say not a lot of surprises today, or would you classify it differently? No, that's a very fair assessment. Not a lot of surprises. Today, though, there was one, I wouldn't call it a surprise, but today is the day that Joe Moorhead became Michael Borky's favorite head coach in all of college football. And I'll tell you why. Because this okay. is a quote. This is a quote from Joe Moorhead. He said, there is a correlation between recruiting rankings and success. Yes, sir. That is the first ever coach I have ever heard say that. That would give you that. That say, yeah, there's something to this recruiting ranking thing, and uh, he said it. So kudos to him because he's right. It's about time. I'm so sick of we don't look at we don't look at stars. We don't look at recruiting rankings. Yet all of the coaches know exactly where they fall on the recruiting exactly. rankings. Yet they exactly. claim they don't look at them or care. So I thought of you when he said it, Michael. I was uh, like, man, if Porky were here, he would be fist pumping right now. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate his honesty because it's true. And it's transparent, which we don't get very much of from college football coaches. Very true. Very true. But, yeah, as far as the class right, itself so goes, if, yeah, not a lot of surprise. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, first, hey, Dad, if we rewind to December and look specifically at early enrollees, these are the guys that are already in school in Starkville for the spring semester. Charles Cross, the five-star offensive lineman out of Laurel, Garrett Schrader, a four-star dual-threat quarterback out of Charlotte. Ani Izuchikwu, the weak-side defensive end out of Davidson Academy in Nashville. He was also a four-star. So much easier. Uh, Well, at some point, calling a guy by his name, even if it's difficult to pronounce, is... That is a a play-by-play announcer's job, so good luck with that, my friend. Do you think I was accurate with Izuchikwu? That's that. Actually, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea how to pronounce that guy's last name because I've never heard anybody say it. Everybody just calls him King Ani. Huh. So what you said phonetically, though, it made sense. Kind of like well, I'm not on a first name basis with him yet. Yeah, yeah. Quanzo Martin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dad, what'd you think of Quanzo Martin and the Missouri Tigers last night? <laughs> uh, not, 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 not too good. Not too good. <laughs> Uh, moving forward, Fred Peters, the safety from Jones County Junior College, and then LaQuinston Sharp, another offensive lineman out of East Mississippi. So those were the five early enrollees. Yes. You had other guys that were part of the December signing class. What about as far as today goes? Well, obviously the big dog, and no pun intended, is Nathan Pickering, who you know was state's highest-rated commitment 
from basically the entire process until Charles Cross made it out to those All-Star games and really had that big showing there, and he shot up the 24-7 rankings uh, to become a five-star player. Um, but Pickering is a guy, you know, he's he's been sort of the lead in this class, and, and he did a really good job of recruiting other players, I think. He and Jerry and Jones, who's also another of the uh, early signees, uh, and was very solid to Mississippi State. Even though, you know, he said in December he wanted to take his visits and enjoy the process, he was very solid to MSU. He ended up not visiting anywhere else, which I thought was interesting. He, he made most of his trips back to Starkville for unofficial visits to try to help in the recruiting process. But he's a guy that, He'll he'll try to fill the role of Jeff Simmons. That's big shoes to fill. And I don't know that he'll be a starter from day one, obviously, but he will play as a true freshman. He's just too talented not to. And I think that by the end of the season, he'll be a big part of that rotation. Um, so he's a big player. And then the rest of the guys are, are, are sort of future players, except for the JUCOs. Uh, Brandon Cunningham, I really like Brandon Cunningham. Here's an interesting stat. He's rated as the 17th best player in the state by 24-7 uh, as a three-star with a composite rating of .88. Eight, four. Last year, that would have been good for fifth in the state. He would have been ahead of Marcus Murphy to give you an idea of where, how, how deep the talent pool was in Mississippi this year. So this is a guy who in a normal Mississippi year, you were talking about you signed a top five player in this state. And this, this year, he's, he's, he's a top 20 player in the state. Um, Javante Payton and Kareem Walker, the two JUCO guys. Walker is very intriguing to me. This was a, a guy who was a, a four-star running back out of high school, signed with Michigan, had some academic issues, and had to go the JUCO route. And, you know, State had so much success with these guys who played at Power 5 schools and then come to JUCO and then come to Mississippi State. Happened with Montez Sweat, with Jonathan Abram, with, uh, with Chauncey Rivers. And, and all of those guys have panned out so far for Mississippi State. So I'll be interested to see if that trend continues. And then with Peyton, I mean, State needs receivers. They need targets. They need a guy that they can they can trust to get downfield and make the catch. So Peyton's going to have every opportunity, I would think, to, to slide into one of those starting receiver roles. Uh, and then uh, beyond that, I thought the uh, the story of the day, you know, Martin Emerson keeping hold of him. You know, it looked for weeks like he was going to flip to Miami. You know, he took a second official visit there. Uh, after the, the coaching change, which is you know allowed by NCAA rules now, and that's a good rule in my opinion, mm. uh, but ended up staying with uh, with Mississippi State. Cited his relationship with Terrell Buckley as as the the main factor there. He wants he wants to play for Terrell Buckley, and then the Bulldogs add Colin Duncan, uh, three star high three star kid out of a. Uh, that's Montgomery, Alabama had some good offers. Um, you know, they needed a cornerback after DJ James commit decommitted and Greg Brooks decommitted and signed with uh, Arkansas, I guess with Oregon and Arkansas respectively. They needed another guy, and Duncan was had been on the radar as a guy who could get an offer if things panned out and, and they brought him in a couple weeks ago and it looked like he was going to Mississippi State and he ends up making the call uh, today. So all in all for Mississippi State, a, pr- a pretty decent haul. Uh, like I said, no, no surprises. MSU for the years has had some bad surprises on signing day. I don't think they really had any today. They would have liked to have gotten Jonathan Mingo. They would have liked to have gotten Charles Moore. They would have liked to have gotten Jerry Ely, but it just didn't pan out. And I don't think MSU was, was holding their breath waiting on those guys. You know, interesting. You, you mentioned Colin Duncan, and you said had some good options out there. And it's kind of fascinating when you look at it. Okay, he, he did not have an offer from either Alabama or Auburn right. in state. He was recruited by them but didn't have a, a, a committable or signable offer. He did, however, have an offer from North Carolina and the ACC, mm-hmm. from Florida, mm-hmm. from Kentucky, mm-hmm. from South Carolina, Southern Miss, Vanderbilt, West Virginia. So it was a pretty impressive offer sheet. And sometimes we get caught up in, well, did Alabama offer him? Did Auburn right. offer him? 
it doesn't always tell the entire story. No, I agree. Especially when you look at who Alabama brought in today. They, the, the high three stars weren't really on their, their target list. No. Uh, no, they were not. And then uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier. Dylan Lawrence, the uh, the addition. This is one of those where you, you take a little bit of a, a chance. It's a, you've got a spot left at the end. He was a yeah. guy that wanted to come to Mississippi State from a size standpoint. Really impressive at six four and a half. Incredibly athletic. Somebody sent us a text earlier said uh, really good track athlete as well. So we'll see how Dylan Lawrence develops at Mississippi State. Of course, teammates with the state's number one player next year. So that can't hurt. That could matter. Relationships matter. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Up next, Richard Williams on the Farm Bureau phone line. Like I say we talk a little basketball. It's been all football to this point with uh, Richard Williams. We will do that right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. LSU in town. That means you got a couple of former SEC coaches that are going to be on the radio. John Brady, the color analyst and uh, good friend of Richard Williams. My only question is, did he make you pick up the tab for dinner last night? Actually, we split it. And then we had a friend bought lunch for us today, so it worked out well for both of us. Wait, did Everett, did, did, did Everett buy lunch? No, 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 no. It was not Everett. I haven't seen Everett. I don't know who it was. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where Everett is. We had a, a, bank, a banker friend here took us to lunch, so... But, uh, there you go. You know, we, won, we did get to go out to dinner last night and enjoy it. And Andy Kennedy's actually doing our game on TV tonight. I saw him earlier today. So a lot of former really? coaches in the hey. house. There you go. There you go. This seems to me, Coach, when you look at it on the surface, like there is a chance for a heck of a basketball game tonight in Starkville. I, I think so. I think what you're going to see, two teams that are very athletic, uh, you've got sides on both teams, uh, point guards that are very, very quick, hard to hem up. Uh, both teams play a lot of ball screens. Tremont Waters is really good off the ball screens, and, and we know about Lamar Peters using the ball screens and setting up teammates. Uh, one of the differences with, with uh, Waters, though, is, is he has such range on his shot. I mean, you know, if you don't pick him up early, you're just inviting him to take those long shots, and he's, he's uh, you know, he shoots it really well, but the other thing is he he has 62 steals, Richard, uh, in 21 games. That's almost three steals a game. Uh, is that, does that mean he's a good defender or he's a good gambler? I don't know, but I knew though he's got 62 steals. Yeah. Um, the the end of LSU's game. I, I want to talk two different things about uh, about LSU just for a second. So the end of the game the other night, a colossally bad decision that Tremont Waters makes. 38 seconds left in the game. He's up one. Instead of just kind of bleeding the clock down and hoping to get a good shot late in the shot clock, he tries to throw a highlight reel alley-oop that hits the side of the backboard and really ultimately costs LSU that game. They missed some shots in their last possession that that still could have won it or sent it to overtime. What's a guy like that making a decision like that in that stage of the game for? You know, sometimes I ask that question to myself. I don't know. Uh, you know, even as a coach, sometimes I wondered. I'd say, I'd say what were you thinking? Uh, but I think as a coach, to prevent those kinds of situations, you have to practice time and score situations in your practices, and, and you have to emphasize all the time, time and score. And, and when I would say that to my team late in games, time and score, they knew that meant we were not taking anything but a really good shot, and if it was early in the shot clock, 
it better be a layup. Otherwise, we, we were running the clock. Now, why guys do that? Supreme confidence, maybe. Uh, he thought he could make the play, trying to make a highlight play, uh, watching the NBA too much. I, I don't know the answer. Uh, and I've asked players many, many times, what in the world were you thinking in that situation? So I'd like to know what he was thinking, but I don't know. Yeah, well, and, and then the second part of that, and I know no coach ever wants to lose, but when you play poorly but overcome a big deficit in consecutive games or two out of three games, I wonder if it could give a team a false sense of confidence or the belief that, hey, it doesn't really matter how we prepare, how we play early, we can always come back. If losing a game like that could potentially be good for LSU in the long run. It could be because I agree with you that it can give a team, if they keep coming from behind to win games, it gives them that feeling that we can turn it on when we get ready to. And that's something coaches hate. You don't yeah. want a team out there thinking you just have a button you can push to turn on the winning effort. You, you want that same effort from the get-go. Uh, and, and, and I do think it can give them that false sense that we can turn it on any time. Now, is that going to help LSU uh, in the long run? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. I, I just know how talented they are. I mean, they're really big. They're talented. They're probably the most athletic team uh, that we will have played softball, maybe with the exception of Kentucky, and I'm, I'm anxious to see just how good LSU is. Uh, but they're an excellent rebounding team. They just pound the boards. They're averaging almost 87 points in conference play. Uh, they, they were 83 in non-conference. Now they're up. Usually your, your stats go down a little bit in conference play. 87 points. And, and, and they rebounded over 40 rebounds a game. So I think what we're going to see is two great rebounding teams. I think LSU's going to shoot it, and they're going to pound the glass. If Mississippi State doesn't do an excellent job blocking out, keeping them off the offensive glass, it could be a long night for the Bulldogs. Coaches Brian, hey, Dad. We were there in Oxford on Saturday. We saw Q Weatherspoon really take over the final minutes of that game. And, and really this year he's having a fantastic season. He's upped his game from, from even a season ago. How far can Q himself carry this team? He, he can when he plays like he did uh, in Oxford Saturday. Uh, the, and if you look at his stats, he's having a great year statistics-wise. Uh, but to me, he hasn't been engaged for 40 minutes in every game like he should be. It, it, you know, we just talked about a team turning it on. It, it, it seems to me like sometimes this season, that's the way Q's played. That, you know, I'll just kind of coast around, and then whenever I need to to help my team win, I'll turn it on. He didn't do that in Oxford. I thought he played the, the entire game. I thought he started the game. Uh, with an intensity level that he hasn't had sometimes. But what it does, to me, it just shows you the talent level he has, uh, that he, he can be somewhat inconsistent in his play and yet still put up the numbers he's put up this year. He, he, is, he is a really, really talented basketball player. And when Coach Howland made the change late in that game and started having uh, Quindary use that high ball screen instead of Lamar, you saw just how good he is at, at splitting double teams, splitting hedges, and getting to the rim. And he can finish at the rim with contact. Not a lot of guys can do that. He has a lot of ways to score once he gets to the rim. Richard Williams on your radio. He's the color analyst on the uh, Mississippi State Basketball Radio Network alongside Neil Price. And, uh, boy, they do a good job on the radio. If you've never listened to them, do yourself a favor and check it out. Some people like doing this, some don't. I don't know where you fall. Uh, comparison of a current player to a former player or, or another player, do, do you do that sometimes? 
Yeah, sometimes sometimes it's hard for me to to compare, but uh, you know, I think we all do it. You know, I think that's just natural. I'm trying to come up with what the right comparison is for Reggie Perry. For Reggie Perry, uh, I don't know that I've had a player like Reggie Perry uh, that that has his combination of size, athleticism, skill level. Uh, all of those kinds of things. Great sense of how to play basketball. You know, we've talked about his dad played here at Mississippi State. His dad was a coach for a long time. Uh, he really has a great understanding of the game. Uh, the only thing that I think Reggie doesn't do really well right now, he's not a great shooter, a uh, perimeter shooter. I say that, and he made two three-point shots, as you remember, in Oxford. Big ones. That were both in crucial situations. Crucial situations. So he has the confidence to take those shots. Uh, but once he improves his shooting, uh, in particular from that range, he's going to be a player that, that I haven't seen the likes of in a long time. I don't know that I've seen one at Mississippi State. Now, uh, you know, Charles Rhodes, I didn't coach him, but he was somewhat like that. Uh, I don't think Lawrence Roberts had the shooting or the skill level that Reggie has, but he had that rebounding mentality that Reggie has. So there have been some players that came through here similar to him, but I'm not sure any of them have the complete package like he does. So in terms of developing that shot to, to the point that it's really attractive to NBA teams, and I'm not trying to push him out the door, but that's where everybody wants to get, and he certainly has a skill set that can take him there. Is it as simple as just getting up shot after shot after shot in the summer, like in the tens of thousands? Yeah, I, I think so, and I think Coach Allen does an excellent job teaching shooting. Uh, he, he really he prides himself. In, in his ability to teach shooting, and this team this year is shooting it so much better than, than they did last year. And I think Reggie has a couple of flaws in his shot. I think sometimes he tends to push the ball uh, instead of getting his hand under the ball and, and snapping it off the fingertips and snapping the wrist down and the things you try to teach in shooting. Uh, but I think there are things that can be corrected, and, and I think Coach Allen will correct those things over the summer and in the offseason workouts. If you had to uh, had to isolate a key for Mississippi State tonight, do you go back to rebounding like you were talking about earlier? Is the the difference in winning and losing? I think so. I think a couple of things. They got to keep uh, they got to keep LSU off the offensive glass, and they got to take care of the basketball. Uh, LSU uh, they get almost ten steals a game, and they'll get in that one three one that Kermit played at Middle Tennessee, that he's playing now at Ole Miss, that Andy played when he was there. And I think probably, you know, they have a, uh, the assistant coach for Andy is on the staff there. And so they'll play that 1-3-1, one, one, and sometimes we struggle with that. So I think those are two keys. All right. Certainly appreciate your time this afternoon. Looking forward to this one. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Richard. That is Richard Williams, former head basketball coach at Mississippi State. Took him to a Final Four in 96. Color analyst on the radio. Humphrey Coliseum, 8 o'clock tonight on ESPN2. All right, I want to throw something out to you. We'll start out on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. If your phone is a little rough around the edges and it needs a tune-up, maybe it needs just a repair, whether it's a broken screen or a crack or a battery issue or whatever it is, i got good news for you. C Spire now has certified phone repair locations from Brandon all the way to Tupelo. They can generally fix your phone while you wait, and it doesn't matter who the carrier is or what brand the phone is. Just bring it in, give them a chance, and they will try to fix it for you as part of why at C Spire they say customer 
inspired. So here's the question. National Signing Day, the day when a lot of guys' dreams come true. They get to begin the transition from being a star in high school to being, hopefully, a star in college. And from time to time, you you think about, man, that guy on a high school football field was unbelievable. And occasionally, you will see that guy that makes you think, he's the best I've ever seen. I've never seen anybody on a high school football field do it better. Who is that person for you? You can text us, again, C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. You can also tweet to us on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Who is the one player that qualifies as the best you've ever seen on a high school football field? Don't care about what they did in college. Don't care if they went on to the NFL. I'm talking about purely Friday Night Lights. Best you've ever seen. We'll come back to that in a little bit, but I'm looking forward to your responses. If you have missed it today, we talked a little bit about this earlier in the uh, the first hour of the show. Southern Miss is not hiring Art Bryant. And there was a statement from the university today that said Art Bryles had been informed that he is not a candidate for the position of offensive coordinator at Southern Mississippi and that the school would have no further comment on that matter. Um, Jay Hobson released a statement, and he said, although I respect the decision of Dr. Rodney Bennett, who is the school president, I disagree with it. I'm so grateful for the grace and forgiveness God gives me, which allows me to inherit his kingdom, which I do not deserve. I've interviewed Art Bryles for an assistant position at Southern Miss, and I believe he's a man who deserves a second chance. He is a man that seems sincere and humble in his interview, and personally, he committed no crime. He may not have acted in the proper protocol, but that would be my job at Southern Miss. He was interviewing for an assistant position, even though I believe he will be a head coach at a major program in the near future. However, I believe he is a man who does love the Lord and deserves a second chance. He has been banned from employment in college football for three years and has been punished. I understand both sides have opinions, This is just mine. So we spent a lot of time over the last couple of days talking about this situation. And we tried to, and I will admit I had an emotional reaction to it on Monday. But I tried to take a step back yesterday and really kind of take a look at all of the, the sides and all of the angles that go along with this. Even with that said, guys, I think, we were all in agreement that this is not a hire that Southern Miss should make. So we get the news today that it's not going to happen. And I think ultimately that's a good thing. But because this became public, because it was floated out there, you now have some division among fans. Well, whose side are you on? Are you on President Bennett's side? Are you on Jay Hobson's side? Were you for Art Bryles? Were you against Art Bryles? The collateral damage, and I guess it will die down in time, but but this is collateral damage that never had to exist in the first place. You're exactly right. And, I mean, the the correct decision was made, but it, it came at a cost. So... 
based on the statements today, you, you can tell there's a clear disconnect between football leadership and university leadership and uh, maybe the absence of a true athletic director has hindered that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, even though the, the correct decision was ultimately made and Southern Miss is not going to be the school that brings Art Bryles back into coaching, which would have put a negative cloud over the program until he was gone, there there is a cost associated with that now. And it's much smaller than it would have been if they'd have hired him, but still the charade, if you want to call it that, is detrimental. Hey, Dad, here's what here's what I'm having a little trouble with. That Jay Hobson would consider bringing Art Bryles in for an interview for an assistant coaching position, knowing the lightning storm that would come along with it and would not have the university president or at least somebody way up the ladder in administration signing off on it. Yeah. So so who's getting fired then? It's either going to be Hobson because he just threw his president under the bus, or it's going to be the president because we're going to find out in the days to come that the USM boosters wanted this hire to go through, and it didn't. And now they, they, they're, they're left holding the bag on that. So I mean, this is a bad situation at USM. I, 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 we, I wish we had Luke Johnson on with us today. Maybe need to talk to him tomorrow because this this is a – this is the kind of, of divide that, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt the program long term there because now you've got a coach who doesn't feel that the administration has, he feels the administration doesn't support him. And whether that's right or wrong, whether the decision to hire Bryles was right or wrong, and I believe it, was, it would have been wrong, if, if you don't have that connection between the, the head coach and the, and the administration, that's, that's a bad situation for, for USM. They've got. They got to mend some bridges, or they're going to have to make a change somewhere. I think. I got a text message that says they should have hired him all day long. Let's quit acting like college football is pure. The PR bashing would have been over in twenty-four hours. False. Uh, I don't think that that this would have gone away. Now there would have been an initial avalanche of articles and opinions and hot takes, and then they would have died down. But I think they would have only died down until the season started. And then you would get that. Now, maybe you just weather the storm in that. But to me, I am certainly not in the college football is pure camp. I mean, there are a few people that are out there. I think that's a dying breed. But I think there's a difference in realizing that college football is not pure and completely getting on board or endorsing the idea of, of hiring a guy who in one way or another, has been involved with a program that had not a couple, but 52 half, a hundred, half a hundred incidences of sexual assault or rape or gang rape. Yeah, I can't, I can't get over that sentiment. I, I saw it a lot yesterday, and people have, have brought up Hugh Freeze's name as if it's the same thing. Use your head when you think about this for a second before you say, what's the difference, college football's dirty. This isn't a guy who was riding a motorcycle with his mistress, wrecked the motorcycle, and got caught cheating on his wife. This isn't a guy that had his players getting free tattoos and the NCAA caught him and he lied to the NCAA. This isn't 
what Hugh Freeze did with calling escort services on his university phone. This is systemic sexual assault and rape over years, and there is text messages to show that this was known about and nothing was done about it. This is not NCAA violations. This is not a bad dude cheating on his wife. It's so much more than that. It's not the same thing. College football is dirty. Recruiting in college football is dirty. A lot of bad guys coach college football. A lot of bad guys don't do that either. Yeah, I agree with that. Rippy, what, what do you do you agree with what Haydad said that this is it goes down the road where it's the president or the football coach because of this disagreement, or is this something that they can smooth over and, and kind of move forward with? I don't know. I think it's possible to eventually move forward since it never happened. And like if if he ends up getting a decent coordinator hire, you know, it might all be forgotten. But the statement from Hobson was just one of the most mind-numbingly moronic things I've ever seen. Like I couldn't believe it was real. You had you you kind of cleansed your hands of it, and then you're going to come out against your administration on behalf of that guy. How does that make any coherent sense? It, it doesn't. I mean, what am I it missing? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's it's baffling. Like how can you um, how can you draft it up and be like this is a great idea? The virgins are all trimming their wigs. I I can I got nothing at least on a on a very visceral level maybe appreciate a guy standing up for something that he believes in. I don't think the statement was a good idea, and it does nothing but kind of add fuel to the fire for the people who think that he should have been hired and strains a relationship for the people that didn't think he should have been hired. Alright guys, best player you've ever seen play on a high school football field. Borky, you're not from Mississippi. You grew up in South Carolina. You played high school football in South Carolina. Have you seen one guy that stands out from all the rest? Yeah, and he planted my back into the field at Burns High School on regional television as well. Um, Marcus Lattimore. Sadly, his career got cut short because of a couple knee injuries, but South Carolina high school football is pretty good. I mean, I played against some guys. I played against guys that went to Clemson in South Carolina and Tennessee and North Carolina. I mean, I played against Martavius Bryant, who spent years in the NFL. Marcus Lattimore, by a long shot, was the best player I've ever faced and the best prospect I've ever seen in person. The thing about him, tackling him, I played middle linebacker, was just miserable because he was so solid. But his 0-60, to so to speak, was incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I played against a running back that went to Arkansas, and he felt slow compared to Marcus Lattimore, just getting the handoff and already hitting the second level was faster than any player I ever faced. He was just the entire package and extremely humble on top of that. He was the only player in high school football that didn't talk like didn't talk trash at you or to anybody. 
he didn't say a word on the field. He just shut up and played and was better than everybody by a significant long shot. Rippy, you had a distinguished career as a you know a, a major co- high school. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to I was trying to get it out. Gosh, a distinguished man. high school football career. Ooh. Is there a guy that stood out to you as best you've ever seen? I was wondering where you were going with that. Um, for the record, I did not play high school football out of fear of my own safety more than anything else. But. I would probably say Cam Akers, but that's someone that's 23. I covered high school football for a while. Don't ha- really watch a ton of it, but that's definitely the best player I've ever seen. Yeah, and you know there were so many people that drew comparisons to Marcus Dupree when Cam Akers was playing in high school at Clinton. You know whether whether or not those are accurate, I suppose is, is kind of forever up for debate. And we're not com- – that's the thing. We're not comparing college careers. We're not comparing the NFL. There is no question that Cam Akers on a high school football field was unbelievable. Hey, Dad, what about you? This is going to make a lot of MSU fans mad at me, but that's just another day in my life. But it's A.J. Brown. I never saw Cam Akers. I didn't, I didn't get to see him live. Uh, but And I don't go to a lot of Starkville high school games, but occasionally – would they, they do stuff with the the, uh, the elementary school where my kids have to participate. They're, they're in the band or they do a cheerleading thing, whatever. And I saw him against West Point uh, when he was actually, I think he was a junior. And he made a play where he, it was just a little slant route, Richard. I mean, he, two steps and he turned his body and pivoted. And I remember looking at my wife as the ball comes to him and I said, he's gone. And that's exactly what happened. He caught the ball and that DB might as well have had a tank. He couldn't get any. Clo- he couldn't. He couldn't get close to the guy, and he just he just glided past him down the field. Never touched for like a seventy-yard touchdown. I was like, I've never seen anything like that in my life. And I, you know, I used to, you know, playing one A football in high school. I didn't see a, a ton of, of D one talent, but I would make my way over to Vicksburg and Warren Central to see some games. And I saw a lot of great players there, guys like you know Brian Darden and, and Michael Lindsay who played at Mississippi State. But AJ Brown to me stands out as that, that's the best high school player I ever saw. Somebody sent us a message just a little while on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. It was Tracy in Luxahoma. Uh, said, best player I've ever seen on a high school football field was Tony Connor. That's and that actually made me, it is, and it made me stop and think for a second. So you think about all the great players that... Um, that have come through South Panola, that have gone on to be great pros, whatever. I, I remember watching a game at South Panola when Tony Connor was a freshman. He was a ninth grader, and he was playing varsity. So first of all, if you're a ninth grader that cracks the starting lineup at South Panola, <laughs> especially the South Panola of a decade ago, you are, you're doing something. And... He scored – he made a defensive play. And he was playing on both sides of the ball. But he made a defensive play, and you look up and you go, he's the best player on the field. He's 15. He's in ninth grade, and this is a high-level game, and he's the best player on the field. Borky uh, – I'm sorry, hey, Dad, one of the 
best individual performances I've seen. I'm not saying this is the greatest high school player I've seen, but one of the best individual performances I've seen also came on that field at South Panola, mm-hmm. but it was the opposing quarterback, Kevin Fant, when he was at Moss Point. Oh, yeah. That, that is a game. It was a game that was played on Saturday night because I was a senior in high school, and we had played on Friday night, went over to watch the game uh, South Panola Moss Point on Saturday. Goodness gracious. He put that team on his shoulders and willed them to a win in that game. We uh, we got more coming up. A bunch of your thoughts. We'll continue this conversation. Best high school player you've ever seen after this in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back with you, 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi on the second round of National Signing Day for the 2019 class. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Glad to have you along. The question on the table, and the responses are coming in really, really fast. Best high school football player you've ever seen. I ripped this idea off from Taylor Zarzer and Greg McElroy. I heard them talking about this that this morning. I didn't care, though, from a national perspective. I wanted a Mississippi perspective. And so I'm throwing it out there to you, and we're going to talk about some of these guys. You can text the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395, C Spire, customer inspired. You can also hit us on Twitter at Sports Talk M-I-S-S, best high school football player you have ever seen. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you are thinking about building a dream home that maybe isn't in a neighborhood, maybe it's on a piece of property, maybe it's a small amount of acreage, or maybe it's a great big piece of property, well, Mississippi Land Bank can help. It takes kind of a unique type of financing. Or maybe you're ready to buy a piece of property. It's going to be a duck hole, or it's going to be the spot where you deer hunt, or maybe it's the perfect place for a fishing hole. Mississippi Land Bank and Health. They've been financing land and the things that go with it for over 100 years. Locations throughout North Mississippi, mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of the land. All right, guys, here are some of the responses that are coming in, and they are all over the place. And to me, this is why this is so unique. There's not just a one-size-fits-all answer for this question. Um, here's one. Derek Pegues. That's an acceptable answer. Unbelievable at South Panola on the high school football field. Say what? That's an acceptable answer. It is. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, his senior year. Wes, it, it, with Jeffrey Simmons, didn't he finish his senior year playing running back? No, that's Willie Gay you're thinking of, I think. Okay, sorry. Yeah, w- Willie Gay huh. went head-to-head head head with Cam Akers. Starville versus Clinton, and he rushed. This was the game plan. They let they, they told him on Tuesday he was going to be the quarterback, and they just ran him That's fifty times for three hundred yards. Hmm. Um, Wesley Walls, Wesley, who was a defensive end for a big part of his career, ends up as a two way player at Ole Miss, goes on to be an All Pro NFL tight end, uh, and looks like he could still play today. Uh, Desenzo Miller from where? 
Jason uh, says unstoppable, 80-plus touchdowns in high school. (laughs) Great in college, too. Sid says, I've seen many of the states and surrounding states' best high school players. Marcus Dupree is still the best I've ever seen. Don't have to think twice. Uh, Jake suggests Terry Grant from Lumberton High School. Uh, a vote for Cam Akers, a vote for Jimmy Johns. Uh, I'm sorry, Jimmy John. Um, Pig Prather, Faulkner High School, went on to Mississippi State and played in Jolie Dunn's defense. Uh, Craig on the coast, he says he saw Deuce McAllister. Deuce McAllister from Morton High School. Can you imagine that guy on a high school football field? Yikes. But Craig also says that he played against Eric Moulds and says that Eric Moulds was actually better at basketball. You know, that was like an urban legend on the MSU campus that Moulds would practice with the maybe Richard Williams maybe could confirm this for us, that he would show up at basketball and he would just school those guys. And they always said on the final four year, the best basketball player on campus was actually Eric Moulds. Hmm. You know, I've always heard that Brad Freeman might have been the best quarterback on yeah. campus yeah. at Mississippi State. And, you know, finally came in at the uh, at the end of his career as like a backup punter. So, so he, he's an all-SEC baseball player, plays um, – several years of minor league baseball and then decides to give football a go and made the practice squad with the Colts. Yeah. That's how athletic he was. He had Michael Goler, who was an all, you know, not an all SEC, but a, a good player for MSU basketball for years. And then his senior year decided to play free safety and was really good at it. And it was the best <laughs> leaper I ever saw. I think he blocked three or four kicks his, uh, his senior year. Jason Campbell at Taylorsville. Well, he put up monster numbers yeah, at Taylorsville. That's a good, that's a good choice. Uh, I don't know that this guy necessarily goes to the top of the list. Did you ever happen to see Romero Miller play when he was at Shannon? No, but being I was in I was in college at the time, and you would hear stories. And of course, it was all like that kid's going to Ole Miss. But and, and we, you know, I remember when he signed with Ole Miss, you were you were like, oh god, they got Romero Miller. You know, that, that's something to worry about. Yeah, and and the receiver that he threw to, I think it was Jamie Armstrong. I, I think they were on that Shannon team together. And the way the ball came out of Romero Miller's hands, I mean, you hear kind of a football cliche, man, that guy can spin it. Goodness, I don't know that I've ever seen a high school quarterback that threw as pretty a ball as Romero Miller threw. Kevin, and and he's not the first. Somebody texted us this earlier. Kevin on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed says, Kirk Presley had a scholarship to play quarterback at Mississippi State and baseball. Now, Kirk Presley from Tupelo. And you want to talk about the stuff of legends? His his high school athletic career as the quarterback at Tupelo, but also as an incredible baseball player. He was a pitcher, and he ended up drafted by the Mets and then ended up being plagued by injuries. Um, First-round Draft. I don't remember the number overall, but first-round draft pick by the Mets. And I want to say, this would have been Haydad in the early 90s, early to mid-90s, 
And I want to say he got like a $700,000 signing bonus with the Mets. Yeah, yeah. And uh, went ahead and went on. And, uh, you know, it was going to be the, the, the two-way start Mississippi State. They planned on I think he planned to play both sports, and it just never worked out. Yeah. Um, obviously, the injuries uh, kind of derailed things. Uh, Borky, what am I missing? I'm, I'm looking at Twitter. What am I missing on the, uh, the C Spire text line? Uh, you are missing a lot. Uh, dozens and dozens of texts coming in. Yeah, it's hard to even keep up. Uh, okay. We, we've got somebody uh, that saw Emmett Smith started as a freshman at Escambia High School in Pensacola, Florida. Wow. Bill and Perkinston got to see that. Joe Gunn, Amory. He was Smoking great Joe. at Amory. Um, how about Barry and Laurel? <laughs> Okay, so like so it. he gives us three things. Listen to it. First, he says, I played four years against Jason Campbell at Taylorsville, and he was years ahead of everybody. He followed it up with, you should see Marcus Dupree in a wrestling ring. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, also, Luke Johnson had four years of him kicking monster field goals. Wow. I just honestly didn't expect Luke Johnson's name to come in as one of the best players in high school football in Mississippi. But good for Luke. He'll be happy he got a shout-out. Yeah. No mention uh, of me. There shouldn't be, but I'm just making sure. No, I've not seen one to uh, Good, to good. That's a good call. Nobody uh, Vaughn be. Hutchins at Natchez Cathedral went on to Ole Miss. Channing Ward sent my punt into the home stands. Never got a punt off against Aberdeen that night. That's Charlie. He says he also played with Chris Jones at Ole Miss and nearly talked him into coming to Ole Miss. I can't find the guy, Richard, but there's somebody who saw, saw Lance Allworth in high school. said he scored every time he had the ball. Yeah. Punters are people, too. Say what now? Somebody said punters are people, too. Jacob said that. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Gerald Poe, Jarrell Poe, South State Championship game against Jimmy Johns and Brookhaven. When Poe was in the game, Old Brook never called a play. They lined up, identified where Poe was, and ran the other way. Said Poe was not very fit and could only play four to five plays at a time, but when he was in there, he was unblockable. Uh, Buford McGee, Rooster Jones in 1975 at Pascagoula. Let's see, where was this one? Uh, Don Smith, 1980-1982, Hamilton Lions. Played with him, won a state championship junior and senior years when they first started the playoffs in Mississippi. Won 48 straight games, played quarterback and defensive back. Bear Bryant Wanted him as a DB, but promised to play. Uh, he was promised to play quarterback at Mississippi State. Backed up John Bond his freshman year. Played a little when Bond got hurt. Uh, started the next three years and set a bunch of records. There are a lot of people that say Don Smith, uh, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play at Mississippi State. Oh, absolutely.
Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Brian Scott Rippey has split. He is headed to the pavilion. You've got Ole Miss and Texas A&M tipping off at 6 o'clock tonight on the SEC Network. Hey, Valentine's Day is almost here, and the JT Show will be at Nandy's Candy inside the Maywood Mart in Jackson on Friday. Grab a Valentine treat for your sweetheart, and don't forget that you can order chocolate baskets with a dozen chocolate-covered strawberries online at nandyscandy.com. That's N-A-N-D-Y-S candy.com. And don't forget you can subscribe to the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and now on Spotify. Search Sports Talk Mississippi to get the latest Sports Talk Mississippi podcast on your device anywhere, anytime. You know what else you can get while you're there? What can they get, Brian Haydad? The Thunder and Lightning Podcast with Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman. The best MSU podcast out there. The best. Okay. Good to know. This guy watches a lot of WWE. I do. I won't lie. Do what? I said, this guy watches a lot of WWE. That was a full-on wrestling promo right there. Well, you know what, brother? No, we're good. (laughs) You better call somebody. That actually sounded like it. That's pretty good, Richard. I'm impressed. How about that? How about that? Um, hey, don't forget, tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock on the Gallo radio show. I still think that's the best promo we've ever had, the one where he goes, Gallo in the morning. That was great. That and all the hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity. Anyway, losing my train of thought here. Sarah Thomas, first female official in the NFL is going to join Paul in studio tomorrow. You don't want to miss that. Catch it. uh, If you miss it live, you can always go back to supertalk.fm and uh, check it out in the on-demand section. So that's coming up tomorrow. All right, hey, Dad, let's talk some hoops. I was uh, was really interested to hear what uh, Richard Williams had to say earlier. Uh, Ole Miss opens things up tonight against Texas A&M, and then at 8 o'clock local time on ESPN2, Mississippi State and LSU. Bulldogs are a three-point favorite. Big game tonight. Yeah, big game for for both teams, I think. Uh, You know, LSU coming off that loss, they're going to want to prove that that was a fluke and everything's fine down there in Tigerland. And then for Mississippi State coming off a win, they they knew with Kentucky coming up on Sunday, they'd like to get this win here. Because if they can stay at 500, and they can be at 500 when when we get done with the the, the game Saturday, I think you feel like you're in pretty good shape if you're MSU. Obviously, you'd like to win both games, but we'll see how that goes. So, yeah, this is a, this is a, a, as big a game as you can find in the first week of February that I can remember at Mississippi State in a long, long time. Uh, what's the crowd going to be like tonight? That's a good question. You know, it's it's there's no the weather's not an issue, so that people shouldn't have that problem. And an eight o'clock tip, if you're coming from Jackson, you can make that tip. So, but of course, then the problem is, do you want to get home? At, you know. 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I think it'll be a good crowd, though. I mean, the, the team's playing well, coming off a win over, over Ole Miss. Beating Ole Miss always makes everybody happy. So there should be a good crowd in Starkville tonight. Richard Williams said that he thought the biggest key was was rebounding, specifically keeping LSU off the offensive glass. Mississippi State coming off a game where they had 15 offensive rebounds in the win against Ole Miss. So that certainly was a strength for them. LSU's a little bit different beast uh, than Ole Miss is in the front court. How, how does the rebounding thing work tonight? I mean, it, it, it feels to me, there's nothing like asking and answering a question, 
But it feels to me like there's a big load on Reggie Perry's shoulders in the rebounding department tonight. Well, I don't think it's just Perry. I think it's a do. I think it'll be Holman when he plays. It'll be Woodard when he plays. Yeah, but a do doesn't rebound. Well, I mean, but he he can he can get rebounds. He's not having a great rebounding year, but he can get rebounds. We saw we saw him do it last season. I, I keep waiting on the Abdullah do we saw at times last season to show up. I know he's in there, but he just hasn't shown up this year. But it's it's going to have to be a team effort because it's certainly going to be a team effort from LSU. They don't have just that one guy who's who's a who's a dominant rebounder. You know, you look at their 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 stats. They've got two guys at six rebounds a game in Williams and Reed, and then Bigby Williams is right behind them at five and a half. So they got, you know, and then Days is there at four, at four and a half a game. So they've got a, got a bunch of guys getting a bunch of rebounds. It's not just one guy getting 10, 12 rebounds. I think State has to have that same approach. You know, it, it's great if you get Reggie Perry in there and he gets 12, 13 rebounds. That's fine. But you need a dude to get you four or five rebounds. You need Holman to get four or five rebounds when he's in there. Woodard needs to get three or four rebounds when he's in there. Well, and then out of the, you've also got to have guards rebound, and and, and sometimes yeah. that that's the difference. I mean, this could be a night. Uh, am I crazy to think that this could be a night where Q Weatherspoon flirts with a triple double? Like, like you could see him go for seventeen points with, you know, seven or eight rebounds and maybe seven or eight assists. I don't know about the assist. He hasn't been doling the ball out as much this this year, yeah. but. The, the rebounds for sure. I mean, he had a he had what eight rebounds against Ole Miss on on, on Saturday, seven or eight rebounds. I, I have to go back and look. So I mean, yeah, you're, you're right, and, and he it, it's it's going to take a team effort, and, and the guards are definitely part of that as as well. You know, Lamar Peters needs to when when the, when the opportunities present themselves, you need to make sure that you're the one hustling to get the rebound because second chance points. That's what won you the game against Ole Miss. It can win you this game tonight. You know, if you don't shoot a great percentage, which LSU's you know not bad defensively when they want to be. As we, you you said many many times, when they're interested, they'll play great defense. Uh, but if they're interested and, you, and you're not getting good looks, you're going to have to play the boards. Um, for Ole Miss tonight, hosting Texas A and M, this is a game that Ole Miss has just got to have. Now, yeah. when I say got to have, I mean what does that mean? I mean does 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 the world come to an end if you lose this basketball game? Of course not. But if you want to even entertain the NCAA tournament conversation. And Ole Miss is still in a place from an overall record and from a net ranking standpoint that 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 they could play themselves right back into the middle of that conversation. The projections still have them in, barely, but still have them in. Okay. You lose this game to a one and seven Texas A and M team at home. That's a bad loss. That's a bad loss. Bad loss. And the thing is yeah. Well, I, w- I was just going to say the thing is, in this stretch of having lost four out of the last five games, Ole Miss didn't really have bad losses in there. They've got losses to teams that are better than them. I mean, so, yeah. so think about this stretch. Mississippi State is more talented than Ole Miss. They lost that game on Saturday. The Florida game got away. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that that's a game that, that Ole Miss kind of really kicking themselves. Iowa State was better than Ole Miss, maybe by a lot. No maybe about that. Iowa State's really good. They're really good. Alabama's more talented than Ole Miss is. Yeah. Now, this is, Rebels you, did not play a particularly right. good game that night, but especially in the front court, Alabama's more talented. Yeah. You're right. This this is the first time that Ole Miss is playing in a while that Ole Miss is playing a team that they're clearly better than, and they're at home. They can't take a loss here. 
a loss would be devastating to them. That's a you most know, hate how I, it, it is. And Borky, I, you know how I kind of like to break the schedule down into little segments. I think you're in a four game window where Ole Miss has got to go three and one. What are the games? They've got a home game tonight against A and M. Mm-hmm. They go to Georgia on Saturday. Those two teams have combined to win two games in the SEC. Yeah. You've got to win those two. Winning at Auburn at this point, especially with Austin Wiley back, is a really difficult proposition. Mm-hmm. That's not likely, at least on paper, a week from tonight, despite the fact that Ole Miss has a win against Auburn. But then you return home for a game against Missouri on Saturday, February 16th. If all this goes three and one in the next four games, then you're sitting at seven and five with six games to play, and you got a chance. Absolutely, and it, the the bad loss thing is really important because uh, people tend to equate NCAA tournament teams with a team that's really good, and 68 teams have to make that thing. So the bubble every year, the bubble is bad. You don't have to have a gaudy record, and a really good conference record to make the NCAA tournament. The key for Ole Miss, as you mentioned, is avoiding the bad loss because when it comes down to it, even if they're barely over 500 in the SEC, if that's how this plays out, the the ability for the committee to point to zero bad losses will be huge in separating them from a lot of teams that will have similar records and metrics. Nobody on the bubble is good. So having zero bad losses on your schedule is a big separator when it comes to decision time in the NCAA tournament. They go three and one in the next four. Talking about Ole Miss, they'll be at seven and five in the league with six games to play. If they go three and three in the final six games, that's a ten and eight mark in the SEC. And what twenty one wins? 2021 20, wins overall. I don't know that the total win number matters. That'll do it. I, I, I mean, that's an NCAA tournament resume. Yeah. Yep. They got to start playing better. They got to win tonight, and they got to find a way to win on the road against Georgia on Saturday. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. We'll. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.